As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV and uh, anti-heroes as well and, and, and also critters like Legion that we don't know what the heck's going on yet. So, <laughs> I'm Scott McGregor and this is Hair Metal Hero, Chris Tyler, Yo. as usual, and we are continuing to cover this and trying desperately to catch up to it and uh, release this parallel to our other show. We're doing Legion Season 1, Chapter 2, and this show has no fancy episode titles. It's just chapter, chapter, chapter. Yeah, it should just be bug nuts, bug nuts, bug nuts. <laughs> yeah, and then that does continue. Well, this was a little easier recap to, to write because it... Yeah, slightly more linear. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't know if we call it linear, but it was uh, a little more... Concrete? Yeah. I, you had <laughs> Something. A little... A little more godlike perspective to know where you were in the universe, but they still <laughs> yeah. threw you off a few times. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's kick into it. Um, we open uh, with some whispering voices that lead into a, a interesting cover of the Talking Heads "Road to Nowhere." And yeah, I've read somewhere that that might be Aubrey Plaza singing it. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Dug in and because I, I actually have a. You know, I've watched Parks and Rec, and she did a kick-ass version of Time After Time on that. Really? I'll have to look that up. And it does does sound very similar to her her singing voice on that, at least. Okay. That that was a nice surprise. said the the soundtrack's been been really cool in this show. Yeah. Uh, We also get a little voiceover from David kind of catching us up on current events, and we, we pick up right where we left off on the boat heading toward a place called Summerland. Uh, with wolves on their tail and our Garfunkel guy who is called the Eye, apparently, uh, yeah. hunting them. And Summerland is a 60s-style kind of office-type building. Um, yeah, it's part office building, part hospital, part hippie commune. Yeah, I, I said I think it intentionally evokes the look of, you know, that it could be another mental institution. It's it's kind of got that vibe going on, too. Although people are obviously walking around freely and not screaming and, you know, yeah. other insane things, except for David occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Melanie Bird, our, our beloved uh, designing woman um, character, and, and her name, Jean Smart. Jean Smart, yes. Uh, is expositioning David about uh, how the human race sounded very Xavier uh, about how the human race is evolving and they believe him to be a powerful telepath slash telekinetic and there are people out to get him um, because he's a mutant and he's in distress as the voices are kind of closing in on him and we get a couple more flashes of like all the people you know rushing in and the, the screaming and the madness and uh, and she also tells him that, you know, things are getting worse for him right now. Presumably, I kind of got the vibe that he's in the presence of other mutants and he's kind of feeding off their energy. 
Hmm. Sorry. Uh, she tells him to focus on one voice, uh, which ends up being his uh, kind of his first lesson in telepathy. And we get more Melanie as she's uh, preparing him for memory work. And she's explaining that his memories of madness are actually just memories of his powers, you know, uh, starting to manifest themselves. And they all sit around a weird uh, silver table. Um, you know, Melanie, him, and this guy, Ptomany, I think it is, that we met last, you know, just at the end of last yeah. episode. Um, this, yeah, this weird silver table with handles and, um, you know, they're all grasping the handles. And I've seen on... I've been obsessive about this show, so I watch all the YouTube videos of, of other people like us you know, ripping it apart and analyzing it, and they find a lot more Easter eggs than I do. But uh, apparently it's very similar to what you go through in Scientology. Yeah, it does look like the <laughs> uh, the E-meter mm-hmm. cans. So I, I got to think that was pretty intentional, too, um, to kind of keep us, you know, on our, you know, it's like, oh, is it, is it Xavier's you know, school or is it a cult or, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing a damn good job of it. Uh, so, yeah, they uh, they grasp the handles and, and the mind trip begins. And uh, Potomany is the memory artist, we learn, and assigned to take him down memory lane, kind of through the times of his life. And they're going to go check out times that his powers maybe manifested themselves that he, themselves that uh, he thought he was just going crazy. Yeah. Uh, so the first one is of him and his sister um, when they were very young, his sister Amy, uh, playing in a field and chasing a doggy, and the memory follows the kids back to their house, and they're watching various scenes of David interacting with his mom as he's very young, and uh, we're told Dad was an astronomer who died just last year, David tells us, and we, we don't see his face, and, and we, we've told you before who David's father might be. If yeah, go there. So you know that might be a little. Hey, we can't see his face because it's supposed to be Patrick Stewart, and he didn't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do television anymore. Who knows? Um, in the memory, Dad is reading um, adult David briefly. He kind of flashes adult, and then young David. Uh, some kid story from Hell called "The Angriest Boy in the World." Which, uh, you know, he's going along a nice little fairy tale story and then he cuts his mom's head off and <gasps> all kinds of horrific things. Yeah. And suddenly the dreamscape starts. Yeah, imagine. To um, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, man. Imagine if um, Shel Silverstein was writing a creepy story because that's kind of what the art style is kind of yeah, like. Yeah, in the... yeah, true. You know, if, if Dr. Seuss wrote about serial killers. Um, <laughs> Didn't he? This is what Michael Myers would have would have thumbed through as a kid, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he did actually. Some of, some of Doctor Seuss's stuff was actually pretty disturbing if you go back and look at it. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 where are we here? Oh yeah, the dreamscape starts to shake uh, with like you know his power going out of control basically, and he breaks free. Everyone wakes up, and he's very anxious and agitated, but. Potomany uses a sleep spell on him, presumably. He just goes to sleep. He's yep. out. We think uh, they start to bop around in reality a little bit, and we're not sure where we're at here soon. But Because we, we see David again. He's in memory mode. We find out with his psychiatrist, Dr. Poole. And he occasionally is distracted by random voices. And, again, the actor is just doing an amazing job of, like, 
having ticks. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, I didn't really know how to put it, but that's exactly what it is. And just looking at stuff that's not there and, and hearing voices and, you know, I don't know if they gave him an earpiece and gave him cues or what, but, uh, yeah, he, he sold it <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. Uh, he, he's very agitated when the doctor asks him about his girlfriend and we get various flashes of his telekinetic incident there at home in the kitchen. He, he obsesses on the real real tape, which if we remember in chapter one, there was like a quick flash of him eating a bunch of real to real tape. Yeah. So clearly an important detail. Um, you, you could do, uh, 50 pages of notes on these shows <laughs> every yeah. time if you wanted to. Um, as David leaves Twizzler in hand, you know, he, he meets up with a presumably real memory Lenny uh, in their pre-institution days. And she is sitting on a stove that, as we mentioned briefly last episode, she got for finger-banging someone. <laughs> Why, she still, like, stole the stove. Her, her her justification was that she had a lot of menus on her her refrigerator. So she could take takeout. She didn't really yeah. need the stove, so she decided she could have it because she finger-bangs well. <laughs> Why not? Marvel property, kids. <laughs> and and then suddenly David snaps uh, back to reality, we think. And Potomini is over him, offering him some milk because it's good telepathy food. Um, you do memory work with him, and then you do talk work with Melanie, which still sounds very Scientology-type kind of speak. Yeah. Um, and we we also, you know... We also find out that David is told that he's the key to winning the war, which he doesn't really even know anything about yet, but no pressure, David. We also learn that through too much sharing that Potomini's uh, mutation makes him remember everything. Everything. Including how his mom's womb felt. And he gave us a nice little description of of mommy's womb. So mm. thanks for sharing that, Potomini. David can't seem to... <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'm slapping at the premise of that thought. <laughs> I don't know. It me out. You know, wombs, much as I love my mother, never really want to think about her womb, ever. <laughs> much less remember it. Okay. <laughs> I can't be alone in that. David can't seem to latch on to the memory of the storybook and, and doesn't want to talk about it. And Sid goes to visit, and then he's like, well, I didn't really mean to ask you that anyway. I'm not the talk guy. And, well, you did, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Sid goes to visit David on the swing set, because there's a swing set. Uh, they they discuss what they went through when they switched places a bit, and she, she apologizes for killing Lenny <laughs> and causing general havoc. And it was his uncontrolled powers that caused Melanie and the Summerland crew to hear him, you know, psychically or whatever, and come to the yeah. rescue. And we get a little more insight into Sid's powers, and she reminds him that, you know, he gets no hugging, no kissing until they get her a cure. Uh, it's a mutant MRI time with Dr. Carey in the control room. Pay attention, because this gets wiggy. Who is apparently talking to himself, but he says he's actually talking to Carey. Okay. Yeah, there's another Carrie. File that one away <laughs> for episode three, actually. Um, David is told to think of uh, somebody he loves, and his mind goes to Amy, his sister, and a conversation they had in his past about like her boyfriend and, and how she hopes he can find happiness, too. And he's like, have you noticed how fucking crazy I am? I don't really see that happening. 
<laughs> His memory cuts to him and Lenny trying to uh, trade the stove for some drugs, which they're uh, successful at. Yep. And David is talking to the son of Sam Dog, apparently, while, while he waits. <laughs> so he did not directly talk, which I, I was surprised they didn't go there. Back at his place, she loads up some kind of, uh, Lenny loads up some kind of frog statue smoking device, which I want to own now. <laughs> but clearly Dave doesn't really need the extra drugs. He's off doing schizophrenia, happy stuff, but peer pressure. So. The vapor starts pouring out of the frog, and uh, David and Lenny collapse into trippy goodness. And she also turns into the devil with uh, yellow eyes briefly and um, obviously kind of scares him a bit because he's yeah. ugly. Yeah. And Potomini pauses the memory work, so we realize that they've all just been doing the, the virtual watch David's brain thing. And uh, Melanie asks what he saw, particularly about the, the devil, but um, he really can't talk about it, it seems. And then he rewinds to the uh, therapy memory, and they notice there is some kind of time gap in it. Like this entire show. Yeah, uh, a so mental it, glitch of some kind. Yeah, a glitch in the Matrix. So it's something David is repressing, apparently, and then they kind of go back again. The memory team notices that David has a flash in that moment to his powers run amok in the kitchen. So they tread over a little old ground in this um, just to kind of keep people. They, they got to hold our hand a little bit after the first episode and make sure we're still with them. Don't blame them. Tomini uh, takes to, uh, tries to take them um, to the kitchen memory, basically, but they end up in his memory uh, of a kid instead, reading the book in the bed, and things start getting weird, trippy hallucinatory flashes and the like. And suddenly we're back in Summerland, and he's talking to Sid. And my brain is starting to tire out <laughs> at this point. And see, you're just talking about it. I, I have to change, folks, so there we go. Keep that nicotine flowing. She wants to know the memory, but David kind of skates around it. Back in the MRI, who the fuck knows when at this point, and we're back in the uh, therapist's office with the voices and the madness and the tape and the, yeah, and uh, we learned David's visions began at 10 or 11, which is kind of primary mutation phase, if you X-Men mm -hmm. fans would remember. Yep. He remembers constellations that his father showed him. Faceless father and son are, are watching the sky in one of his little scenes. And David tells the shrink that the stars talk to him. And the doctor asks uh, what the stars say. And the closet door starts opening and weird psychic stuff starts happening. And he says he's not supposed to talk about it. And we're kind of led to believe that it's his yellow-eyed friend. Yeah. Uh, back at the MRI again, or still, or fucking eventually, I don't know. Uh, David hears a woman's voice. Carrie is now in the lab practicing the other Carrie. The female Carrie we met earlier is practicing martial arts in the lab. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's more on that next episode. It's Amy he hears, and uh, when he focuses on her, he presumably kind of psychically sees her trying to find him at the hospital. But the receptionist is, like, kind of denying he or his doctor ever existed there. Curiouser and curiouser. Uh, Dave's brainwaves are doing strange things in the Carrie's lab. And David's astral body um, calls to Amy. She seems to hear him for a minute. just says the eye and some goons come approach her. Dr. Carrie, the male one that's running the shit, runs off and gets someone to look at his findings. 
suddenly the screens start to go wild and we hear some weird growling and maybe eating noises. And there's the yellow-eyed dude, briefly. Hi, how's it going, Hi. David? Hey, what's up, man? Checking in. Uh, in one of Summerland's rooms, people are running to find out what the strange noise was. And Melanie comes out onto a balcony <laughs> and sees that the MRI machine has been thrown onto the yard. <laughs> Something you don't see every day, probably even at mutant school. They figure out Division 3 has Amy, and uh, David starts going rushing off to rescue her, but Sid finally talks him out of it, encouraging him to stay and do the work. Another very, like, Scientology therapy-type phrase. And figure out what he can do, and that they'll rescue Amy together. He asks, how do I know they won't kill her? And Sid says, because she's bait. And for, like, our final... Seen here at Division Three, the normally silent Art Ifunkel um, <laughs> <laughs> comes to see Amy with his torture suitcase, which has a nice little tank of leeches, and uh, just says, "Shall we begin?" End episode, and the closing music was uh, appropriately enough. Thomas Dolby's Hyperactive. So I think yeah. it's important we we keep track of the soundtrack in this show. I'm feeling, yeah. Um. So, holy fucking shit, uh, Legion. Yeah. I, I really am loving it, and I'm not sure why, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where to begin. Like, it's it's so hard to talk about this show. It's, uh, man, it was, yeah, another episode where I felt totally sucked in, you know, especially since, yeah, kind of getting it to the point where the supporting characters in Summerland are... Trying to give, we're going to get more of an idea of what the focus of the show is going to be. I mean, yeah, there's a war, but regardless of that, the big mystery of unlocking all the secrets in David's head uh, and who the yellow eyed beast is that's uh, clearly a big focus. Um, this episode doesn't hold your hand so much, but it is slightly easier to get a handle on the craziness in this episode um, which I appreciate it because I think if we had a completely stream of consciousness show every episode it would be really off putting Um, starting off with the craziness and the big mysteries and everything in the first episode is great it sucks you in but if you're going to do that you can only take the um, unreliable narrator uh, time jumping uh, craziness so far, far before you start to say, well, is there a point to this? Yeah. Uh, and at least this episode has kind of given us that point. Um, the focus is going to be figuring out what's going on in David's mind and eventually I'm sure we'll be getting more breadcrumbs on the war to come between uh, the Division and the Summerland residents. Uh, I mean, it's obviously gone into some more standard formula x many type stuff, you know, and if, if we're gonna, they they want to tie it to that universe, so so I think we can talk about it in that context. Yeah, but you know, the, he's at Xavier's school, and you know, the mutant war is on. Um, we get a little more clarification next episode, which I won't spoil in this one if anyone's following along before they watch the episodes. Um, and it feels more linear. Um, and they, they set the stage that, yeah, we're going to go back and look at a lot of the shit you saw in episode one, but now it's in the context of, you know, we're showing David he has powers, and we're also kind of showing the the audience that, you know, these instances where he just thought he was insane are just his mutant powers. They're, they're laying the groundwork for the universe. Or are they? Because 
I've read a couple theories, and I've had I've thought this myself, but that everything could be in his head at this point. It certainly could be, <laughs> like literally everything. I mean, the history of the, the character in the book, which I only saw kind of a small slice of, but I've read up on like kind of where it went, and I mean, it literally was he has thousands of different personalities in his head, thus the name Legion, and so everyone he you know. And they're always vying, you know, they're always vying for control, and then they get to use a particular power of his when they get control. And there's obviously people controlling David all over this thing. Yeah. Except for the people in the division that couldn't, you know. But yeah. he had help from his other maybe mind friends. So they, they could pull that rug out from under us in any time, and it would be justified for the most part, you know, going back to the books. Um. And yeah, Amy may be the only one real in the whole show or something, and and yeah, and and Division one or three, but even even the name the Division is a very implies a personality, yeah, <laughs> you know, type of term. Um, and man, yeah, it's like the the pseudo science religion cult analogies in this were pretty heavy. Uh, so they're they're definitely going there. Yeah, and if you're an ex- old X-Men fan, you you could see that dynamic in, in Xavier's school, too. There was definitely a, a cult, you know, feel to the X-Men. You know, they, they were the true faithful yeah. that went out and did battle for him. So, I like that it's kind of following that. You know, in my head right now, this is like an alternate, just like the, the guy, the showrunner said, kind of, it should be that this is an alternate universe, X-universe. And I'm good with yeah. playing in that sandbox. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much free to kind of pull in anything they want if it's going to be an alternate universe. I'll, I'll be disappointed if everything's in his head because I'm really loving the. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a cop out. Yeah, it's one of those things that's overplayed at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, because then where's the you know where's the drama? Um, and I know pe- a lot of people say for television stuff, um, the journey is more important than the de- than the destination. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's horseshit. Um, <laughs> if you're telling narrative fiction, ostensibly you're supposed to give an ending. It's a uh, it doesn't. Score. Ne- yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be the ending that you want. But I would like to actually have an ending. Right. You know. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. Uh, Sopranos, fuck that show. Lost, <laughs> fuck that show. Uh, it's like no, just uh, if don't write yourself into a corner and, and actually, yeah. you know, give an ending. Even if it's something that's completely mundane, end your damn show, end your story. You know, and your you know Monty Python and the Holy Grail movie with cops busting through the wall. And that's a comedy. That's nice. different. Well, you know, but uh, comedy or, or mutant non-reality show you know that anything's possible why not hopefully they won't go that way but no i mean well they i mean what if they gets really crazy and we find out it is all in his head but whatever his powers are allows he manifests it you know like they could go as crazy as that then again this isn't franklin richards that we're dealing with but right, i think that would be a mistake yeah but in the, at least the books he he was pretty much right up there with franklin richards I okay guess, fair enough as far as reality twisting stuff um, All right. He at least got into the time travel when I was reading. You know, he caused the entire Age of Apocalypse. So <laughs> he's got skills, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would be a mistake, even if it's true to the books, because you're going to get to know and love a bunch of these characters, and then they're all going to be 
in his head, and I guess it would be, I don't know. Well, I mean, the characters in his head is one thing. I mean, that's part and parcel of what this character is. But the, I mean, there needs to also be a real world with real consequences. Right. Well, I think maybe that is where the division comes in. Yeah, they do have to have the conflict, and I, I think Amy is really being held somewhere. Um, but it may come down to just like, and I said, I hope it doesn't, but just David alone and finally figures himself out, and and then he learns how to use, you know, Melanie for whatever she does, and Potomini for whatever he does, and, and just uses all these different powers and goes after her. Yeah. But it would be a mistake, I think, to... To not make all these, I think some of these. I'm, I'm doing like the sixth sense, you know, kind of trying to spot clues that maybe nobody's looking at Sid. You know, that I think some of these characters are going to end up being David Head characters, and some of them real. So I'm kind of looking for those clues. But as far as I know, everyone's interacted with everyone else. Yeah, so far seems like it. I mean, as of right now, the only person we're sure that's in. David's head is uh, is Lenny. Yeah, yeah. Um, which would be fine if that's that's how they do it. You know, maybe just different people pop up from his his former life, and that ends up being his his multiple personality thing. Yeah. Because um, even quotes Lenny in this one. You know, when when they're talking about switching, and he says her line of "Don't give a a newbie a shot." Uh, yeah, a newbie a bazooka. A bazooka. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep watching, guys, and then help us out. Weekly Heroics at Yahoo dot com. If anyone's got any theories about this one, I if you ever took the time to email us, I, I would love to talk about this one with other people. Uh, yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna shows. need help with these because <laughs> yeah. I haven't read the I haven't read the comics, and uh, this show is just way too crazy for. Two idiots like us. We need. We need. Yeah, uh, and any good therapists that listen, I would love your number too because I, I may need some kind of trauma therapy after digesting this every week <laughs> twice, uh, <laughs> just to keep me grounded. Uh, yeah, but uh, well, you've we've both already seen three, and I, I think next week we will try to catch right up. Um, as you listen to this, the episode four will be coming out. Am I right about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, just about. Episode 4 will be coming out right after this one. But we're going to probably record episodes, chapters 3 and 4 as a podcast next week, hopefully. I'm just letting yep. my poor partner know this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we can catch right up to you so we can all be confused in real time together. That's my goal. All right. And we will keep up on the other stuff as well, hopefully, mostly. <laughs> So if uh, if that's all you got, that's all I got. I think that's all I got for this one. It was uh, another good episode that makes me want to keep watching and actually kind of cleared up some stuff. I don't. Oh man, it's, it's I, Westworld was pretty bad with having to wait a week. This one's worse, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm only two episodes into Westworld. Yeah. I, that one I've been taking my time with. That one gets rolling and, and sucks you in pretty well too. Uh, and try to avoid any spoilers online about that. I know, I know nothing. I think most people, a lot of people figured it out, um, but I, I didn't really. I just kind of let it take me. Um, so. All right, now I'm going to be thinking about what, so there's a twist. Okay, now I'm going to be looking for a twist. <laughs> there's always a twist nowadays. All right, what a twist. Yes. All right, that's Weekly Heroics for another week. 
coincidentally enough, I'm Scott McGregor. I'm Air Metal Hero. He is. Talk to you later. Stay tuned. Bye. Well, we know.